We be live. We be live. <laughs> we be live, Armin. <clears throat> How are you, Armin? Good, good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm very good. Excited yeah. about another excellent secular yes. artist show. I am actually very excited. Do you know why? No. Oh yes, yes. I think I, I think I have an idea. Yes. What is what is what is March twenty third? I saw something. Yeah, because I saw something on uh, Facebook uh, post. Uh, tomorrow is the World Atheist Day. Yay. Yes. Twenty third of March. Yes. Post a yes, picture guys. of yourself with a green circle and use the hashtag Atheist Day so we can share it and help normalize atheism. Believers can participate too and show support for their atheist brothers. So this is how you do it. And our wonderful Susanna, I think she is the most dedicated one when it comes to celebrating or educating people or reminding people, not educating, reminding people on um, on on the World Atheist Day. Basically. Yeah. And is she in the middle of yeah, something? Is, it, is that a video or something? No, it's just a photo. That's a video. This video, oh, I will play oh, it so oh, people know yeah. how this works. Yeah, let's play it. Hey, hi Susan. guys, did you? Hi, <laughs> you have the idea, right? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> hi guys, did you know that March 23rd is Atheist Day? You should use the hashtag, hashtag Atheist Day and post a picture of yourself with a green circle to let other people know that there are a lot more of us out there than many people expect and to help normalize atheism. You can draw it on your hand or on a piece of paper or other creative ways so long as it's safe for you this is also not exclusive to atheists if you think that shunning or demonizing atheists is not okay make sure to use the hashtag hashtag atheist day on march 23rd to let your atheist friends know that you accept their non-belief happy atheist day so if you look, people, if you look at the hashtag Atheist Day right now on Twitter, people are already, it's not even Atheist Day yet, and people are already starting to post their pictures. And what I would do is I will use Atheist Republic, well, we, our team will use the, you know, Atheist Republic account and quote tweet your posts. Um, so he, see, people are already, it's already started, right? So we will use the account of Atheist Republic and my personal account, and we will share your pictures coming in, right? So this is already trickling in, and we'll see March 23rd. I hope we get a lot of posts on Instagram as well, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, just post your pictures with your hand. Guys, You do, if it's safe for you, you can put, keep your face in there, but if it's not safe for you, make sure you don't keep your face in there, and you can use a piece of paper or whatever. Uh, or you could just use a message you don't even have to put your picture you could just use the hashtag and let people know that is atheist state like look at this one this one doesn't have a picture this one look this is the most simple one march 23rd is atheist day. you could just simply do that and it's retweeted and everything right so yeah it's very simple yeah. guys just it's about bringing awareness and as susie said it's not exclusive to atheists just like we can wish as us atheists we can wish people happy ramadan merry christmas eid mubarak happy holy happy diwali just the same way you guys can also say hashtag 
atheist day. And this is you know, it's just a highlighter, so it's, it's not really that. Yeah. Easy, right? <laughs> there we go. Not, that was easy. Highlighter. Yeah. I didn't know that I was wearing a green T-shirt too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> By the way, why, why, why is the color of atheism green? Oh, okay. There's an explanation for this. On Who came up with that without day. consulting with me, though? That's that's my main concern. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So there's an explanation for all of this. If you want to learn you about learn that. No. Well, I mean, the interesting thing here. Look. Actually, look at this. Oh wow. So this is the picture. You can see there's oh, a Muslim wow. guy and there's a Christian-looking person. Yeah, so the whole reason why this poster was made with a Muslim-looking guy and a Christian woman is two reasons: is to show, first of all, that believers could also celebrate Atheist Day because oh. to show that they are not anti-atheists themselves; they support them. Or also, it's also a symbol of atheists who are in closet, who have to pretend to be Muslim or Christian, even though they're actually uh, right. atheists, right? Right, so if you want to know the symbol, you could go to if you go if you put atheistday.org, it will just bring you to this website, right? So right. the shape, why is it the shape circle and why is it the color green? The shape circle is one of the oldest atheist symbol. It represents symmetry, peace, and harmony. The circle is akin to a zero, symbolizing the no, the lack Ooh. or absence of a belief in God, i.e., godlessness. At the same time, it represents uh, wholeness. Uh, in its simple, sim, in its simplicity, indi indicating that we as non-believers are not uh, devoid of morality or goodness. On the contrary, we are whole without a god. As such, the circle encapsulates humanism, free thought, and secularism. So, on the color green, the color green symbolizes the uh, the life and vitality of this movement and the values it embodies. These include celebration of life as we recognize its uh, finite nature, the growth and, uh, with, with, how do you say Vivacity? Vivacity. Vivacity of the atheist movement globally and the goodness valued in humanity. It's allusion to the... Oh, it's allusion to the greenness of nature demonstrates that we treasure our existence on Earth and wish to protect all life, especially the lives of those at risk of death and persecution for beliefs held and expressed across the world. So that right. is that is the reason There's behind a the green. big explanation behind behind the color yes. green, and it seems like it's a it's a favorite color for a lot of people. And obviously, the Green Day um, it represents you know environment environmental friendliness. It also represents Islam. <laughs> Islam also claims. <laughs> Um, the color green as its own color. So. Islam, Islam claims many colors. Islam claims green, green. white, and black, and red. So white, white. How, how does it? How does it color? So white. I remember the 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 green, red, and black um, are associated with different Islamic empires, right? I forget oh, yeah. which which is which is which. Right. And yeah, but that's so, empires. Though. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I guess, I guess the color yeah, green but people might keep, have been, yeah, 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 people yeah. went with green. I, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember if there's any hadith that actually shows any special favorism towards the color green. So it could have been a late, uh, you know, later adaptation. Anyway, okay, that's good. Now that you guys know that 
tomorrow is the World Atheist Day. So get on Twitter or, fa or, or Facebook. Or Instagram. Twitter, or Instagram. Hashtag Atheist Day. And here we go. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Guys, make sure you do this because we want to, and I'll share it. We'll share it, and so it gets a lot more attention. Just make it good. Don't Photoshop it anything. That's not that's lame, you know. Um, if you don't, if you can't take a picture, just use the hashtag. Just say like, on this atheist day, I just want to tell people that we know that you're there, you're not alone, or something like that. Um, and yeah, we will share those. And yeah, so let's make this atheist day really busy on social media so that everyone around the world know that we exist and to normalize atheism and to break this taboo of being an atheist so go ahead go out there and do this i'm i'm expecting a lot of you posting so thank you all right so i have six questions today from right. patreon guys the way this works is that if you want to get uh, your questions answered um, you could become a patron on Secular Jihadists and we'll, you send us your questions ahead of time and we will answer them. Harris also has a couple of topics that he always brings here. That uh, I learned a lot from Harris, by the way, because he yeah. brings out a lot of topics. Yeah, because you some of the things that go um, under my you know radar, you bring it up, and I'm so grateful that you bring those to important topics that we well, all need I think, to know. So I think the day later, you probably find out from uh, Susanna anyway, because she's usually on top of this. No, no, some of them, I mean, I, I don't... Just, I, 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 I just bring them. I, I, I just bring current affairs. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, anyway. Guys, Thank so you. you could also, other than Patreons, we also answer Super Chats. So please use the Super Chat, especially on Harry Sultan's channel, because um, he's doing a lot of work, and, and you guys are not appreciating his work as much as he the time and effort he puts into it. So please uh, support Harry Sultan. Yeah. Yes. And at the end of the show, we are bringing YouTube members up if they want to talk to us live on air. Um, short questions, please, if anybody comes up. So should we go with the secular jihadist patron questions? Sure. Let's go for it. Okay. Um, here's the first one. For those of us who became atheists in our late 20s and avoided any conversation with the opposite sex, how do you think we start dating? Most people have dated multiple partners at this point. Oh, okay, so because of being religious, you think you're falling behind, and now that you're atheist, like, okay, now I need to get into the dating thing. So this is probably somebody who held back because of their religious views and to, in the dating scene, and now they feel that might be awkward and don't know how to get started they don't have the experience they don't have the confidence other people have that background and they're now at an age that they think they are behind everyone else right i, I would say that uh, most people who have had dating experience haven't thought about the best ways to go about um, being a good person to date Right. So if you just put some work into it and, you know, just watch a couple of YouTube videos on it, don't go to the black pilled or the red pill community for that, by the way. Right. Make sure you get some good sources. Um, you've already caught up. Right. The main things are the main good advices are um, make sure to become somebody that you like before you expect other people that like you. Right. So. Try to 
you know, don't don't fake confidence. Confidence is very important, but tr- don't try to fake confidence. Actually, gain confidence, uh, so you don't have to pretend that you're confident, and that that would be the main attribute that you have that a lot of women find attractive. I'm assuming, by the way, you are. Uh, depends on your if you're a man. I'm gonna give you advice for uh, men because I don't. That's the advice I have. I don't have advice from women that much. But I don't know if you're a man or a woman, what, what uh, sex you're trying to date, right? So uh, take care of your health, exercise, um, achieve something that you're proud of, So that, and, and it shows that you're proud of it. Um, hygiene is very important. And try to talk to, learn how to talk to people in general rather than talking to the opposite sex, right? Uh, there's... Being an interesting person to talk to, it doesn't change that much with the opposite sex during dating or not. So if you're if you don't have enough confidence to talk to the opposite sex, just practice talking in general to people, right? Just ha- try to have random conversations with strangers that you've just met, people that you're not even trying to date. And just get good at that, right? So when you're outside, I don't know, and you, if you're at the bus stop or you're at a grocery uh, store, like find people that you're not trying to date and just see if you could just have a conversation that makes them smile, uh, compliment them on something. Ha- just just see if you're good at that. Because if you good, if you get good at that with just random strangers, you're going to get good at that with the opposite sex as well. It's not much of a difference, right? See if you could get people to... Uh, be happy about something that you said, smile, make them smile, uh, say something interesting. And the more you practice, practice makes perfect. The more you practice that eventually you get enough confidence that you are a good conversation starter. And eventually you're going to be able to do that with uh, the opposite sex as well. And also try to, when you eventually move on to talking to the opposite sex, try to start these conversations in a way that it doesn't seem like you're just trying to sleep with them. Just uh, do it Do it the same way that you were um, starting a conversation with somebody that you were not trying to date, right? And see where it goes. Um, and it's good to have that mindset, you know? It's good When you're talking to the opposite sex and you're talking to them, just say, like, I'm just trying to have that mindset that I'm not trying to... Uh, date this person right now. If it goes there, it goes there. I'm just trying to have a good conversation. And whatever happens after that, uh, it doesn't matter, right? If it goes there, it doesn't go there. So it's a, think about it like this. I'm starting, I'm talking to this cute girl uh, and if it doesn't have to go anywhere, um, even if this is the last conversation I'll have with her and she goes her her way and I go my way, it was a good com- it was a good conversation and it was I, I already took something out of it and then eventually when you increase the number of those some of them end up being turning into dating opportunities but if your mindset is that I have to take this into I have to turn this into a dating opportunity then that's that gives you the potential of coming off as awkward or desperate but just increase the number of those conversations that you're having eventually some of them will become something a little bit more meaningful what do you think Harris? Good. I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try yeah. some. What you just said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Um, let's go to the next one. Uh, should you take care of your parents when they are old if your parents were physically and emotionally abusive, abusive to you when you were younger? 
what if they are still emotionally abusive and don't think they did anything wrong? Um, this is, this is, I generally think that I don't want like to give general advices, but on average, I think it's more likely that you need to cut out toxic relationships from your life. And this is, sounds like a toxic relationship. What do you think? I, I, but well, I think there are two parts in that. First, if the first part is where it says that if they were they were emotionally abusive to you when you were younger and they were in charge, okay. So that one, you need to first overcome that issue. Have therapy. You should have spoken to them when you grew up before they went before they got to this stage where they can, they can no longer look after themselves. So. So if you hadn't done that, or if you haven't done that, I think it's probably going to be very difficult for you to get over it, especially now when they can't look after themselves. So I don't, I don't think that can work out. So it, for anyone who's been through that situation where you think that your parents are abusive to you, emotionally abusive to you, then now is the time when you when you have become an adult, you need to sort it out. Okay, now that's taken care of. I think the best way to move forward hands down it's always to be able to forgive the other person whoever that is even the other person doesn't seek that forgiveness that forgiveness that you give to someone is not necessarily for the other person it's actually for yourself because you can keep living on hating someone you're not you're not hurting that person maybe that person is facing his or her own demons but that person the the person who's suffering the most is you yourself um, no matter what happened to you so you need to find a way to forgive the other person. If you can forgive the other person, however you do it, therapy, talk to other people, talk to the person who wronged you, whatever, that's the only way to do it. Um, now, once that's done, then if you're looking after your parents now, they were emotionally abusive to you, you've already forgiven them. So now, you know, just do the right thing because, you know, um, now they can't look after each other. Let me tell you a story I actually heard of someone um, very recently um, grandmother died and she was very nice uh, comparatively as grandmothers go uh, everyone loved her she died but her husband survived her her husband had dementia and couldn't um, but he was very abusive when he, in his younger days now he's alive his wife is dead he's got dementia he doesn't know what's going on none of the kids actually want to take care of him none of them they're all could never get over this trauma that was inflicted upon them by this man when he was younger. But now you wonder, how can you punish this old man? Like he does, he's got dementia, he doesn't even know what's going on. So why are you punishing him for something that he committed? And again, you gotta remember, this is back, the, back in the 50s or 60s, different era, the people looked at families differently, even smacking was okay, blah, 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 all of those things. But now you're punishing this person for what he did in the 60s or 70s. So it's a, uh, it's a pretty shitty situation, but let me tell you, yeah, the guy who's got dementia, yeah, he's not going to do well, whatever. He's probably going to die. He's probably going to be dead in a couple of years anyway. But if you still harbor these feelings towards someone uh, who had a very close relationship with you, then I don't think it's... Uh, I, 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 think, I think you're not going to live a very happy or fulfilling life either. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to give advice. This is really dependent on the specific situation everybody's dealing with, right? Uh, how much can you deal with guilt? How much are you? But if you end up 
I just think that you don't have a responsibility to, again, it's very specific. How, how much did the parents took care of you? Did, were they, was there good parts or was it just bad? Right. But at the end of the day, if they did a really, really crappy job taking care of you. Okay. Um, and there's no, it's that black, like there's no gray areas, then you don't have much of a responsibility to them. Right. And you should, there are situations that you shouldn't feel guilty about cutting off something that is just hurting you, that is making your life miserable, right? So here's the thing. It really depends on you, but I just don't want you to feel guilty thinking that you have a responsibility to, to take care of somebody that is so toxic and so harmful to your life, right? Um, if that is the level that you're dealing with, and you decide to cut them off and move your own way, you haven't done something because I don't want this to be a principle, um, a traditional principle that, oh, no, you are a child and you must take care of your parents. Like you are you, you are their ch child. So you, this is your responsibility. This is your job. It comes to you. You have to make the decision. And this is and if they are having such a bad relation, a bad impact on your life, don't think that you're doing something wrong. You're take, you have to take care of yourself. You are, especially, especially if you need to eventually build a family and take care of other people, you have more, more of a responsibility to them than to, uh, to your parents. And at least for their sake, you need to cut off toxic relationships. Yeah. Very well In, said. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I, I, yeah. I think, yeah. Thank you for covering kind of parts that I couldn't like if it's all black, let's just say some really, really messed up crap, then obviously then, no, in some cases, there's no turning back. Uh, I'm talking about in some cases where, yeah, as, as Armin said, yeah, there were some good parts, there were some bad parts, so there was a lot of gray in there, but the bad parts were really bad, but it didn't make up or did not define the whole relationship. So um, I, I think majority of that are in would fall in that category, um, unless obviously there's some kind of other kind of abuse that obviously then that's totally different ballgame and then in that case yeah you don't know anything you need therapy you need to move on i think even in that case maybe if you in your heart you can forgive someone maybe that's fine but then again it's up to you and as armin said you actually don't need to feel guilty you don't need to be in a position where you're doing something and you know every every part of your body says no this person did this and you can't get over it then yeah you you have a responsibility to your future generation and i guess bad luck to that person who did what he did um and uh maybe you know it's 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 uh it's time to pay the price uh but majority of them i think my idea is generally for those people i'm in that you know some parts parents in the 50s they used to smack their kids parents in the 70s yeah maybe they used to sh shout at their kids or whatever and then in the, now we've got helicopter kids, uh, helicopter parents. So it's different. So like we, we have these different eras as well. We have to put that into perspective as well. And then um, you'll see a lot of baby boomers who would say, yeah, it's okay to smack your kids. And then their kids would say, yeah, my dad used to smack me. It's okay. Obviously, we don't support that because times have changed. But um, yeah, anyway, I think we've spoken enough. Yeah. Um, Tino is reminding everybody to please like and share the stream. Thank you so much, Tino. Um, and we got a super, you got a super chat, uh, by oh, Mike. Yes. Mike Nogo's so own. Yeah, Mike, check yes. out his channel. Mike Nogo's own, um, has been motorbiking 
in areas where you know you and I would normally wouldn't want to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Mike has been to Afghanistan, I think, Iraq, oh. uh, and, and quite a few other countries as well. So yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think he's going to go there now. <laughs> I think he's been there. He's done that. So, yeah, he's saying, Happy Noraz to my Kurdish and Noruz. Persian friends. Noruz, uh, what is this? Uh, it's some sort of a... Uh, I've seen it, but... You I don't know. know. Noruz is the new year. Jesus oh. Christ. Noruz. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the new no, year on. in Europe. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so what, what, like, is, is it like the ancient calendar or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's oh. new, the new year in Iran, Iran, um, and I think a couple of other places, like some parts of Afghanistan, Tajikistan, and you know, the, what was it built the, on? Like, what, what, what was it based on? Like a lunar? Is it's, that a lunar? It's rooted in um, Zoroastrianism and Mitraism, but it predates that because and but they took some other ancient religions that became that came from it, but eventually it became Zoroastrian Mitraism. Now it's more secular, uh, and but it came from those religions. And those I want to ask you a question, because a lot of people, a lot, a lot of Indians say that, oh, you know, we're the only surviving culture, and a lot of Indians say that, oh, Iranians should go back to the Persian roots and blah, 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 you know, like that kind of crap. Egyptians should go back. Use the stuff. But I actually... This question intrigued me enough to look into it, and I found some surprising tolerance by the Islamic regime of Iran towards all things Persians. For example, the Gulf of Persia. They said, no, don't change this to, uh, to Gulf of Arabia. We want to keep it to Gulf of Persia. Um, they... Uh, uh, how, how do they feel about Nauru's? Or like, I mean, is, is it like, obviously my knowledge is very surface level, but, but is the Islamic Republic of Iran as Islamic as it is, not overly or some, a, a little bit more sympathetic towards Persian history than they should be because it should be all Islam? Okay, so I could speak about this for two hours straight, okay? No, just stop, just right? five, five minutes, it's just... And look towards the camera. So, in Iran, there is a constant battle between uh, the Persian culture and the Islamic culture. Right? There's two main forces, right? And there are groups of people who think there's no contradiction between these things, and you can enjoy both. But the regime itself, from the beginning, tried to uh, replace the Persian culture with Islamic ones, and they failed because of the heavy dose of nationalism that exists in Iran. Uh, Khomeini himself hated nationalism, uh, and he always wanted to eliminate it, but he couldn't. It was such a powerful force that he couldn't uh, even imagine to... Like, even from the beginning, like, when he was coming back to Iran, they asked him, how do you feel coming back to Iran after being an exile? And he said nothing. And he had speeches talking against... Uh, nationalism and saying that we are nationalism makes us not see lose our allies in other Islamic countries. Like we need to be all based on united, based on under the uh, cover of Islam rather than Iran. Um, he hated people who loved Iran, and he didn't see anything, it, which is amazing because he was the leader of Iran and he hated people who uh, loved Iran. But um, but he wanted Since, to build it. He wanted to build it on Islam, though. That, that's understandable. Yeah. That's what I, that. That's more rational. 
That's what I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, but but the thing is that the Iran Iraq war completely destroyed that because the Islam Islam was not enough of a unifier or motiva- motivation for people to go fight Saddam. People needed to be motivated to defend Iran, and so because of was the Iran Iraq war. Was the Sunni Shia divide enough to motivate people to fight against the Sunnis who want to no, take take over? Not us? at all. People would not volunteer for that. People people would volunteer to go defend Iran. Iran. Yeah. Not, okay. not, so, so nationalism. So, so so basically, up to up to now, what I understand you're saying that nationalism was the stronger factor. Uh, even Khamenei yes. could not kill it, even though he hated it. Yeah. So they had to make a brand of nationalism that was in line with the Vilayat Farif version of Shia Islam. So they tried to make Iran a great country um, with the Shia ideology that Iran, they went and dug Hadith to try to make Iran the country where the Mahdi has chosen to come back. Right? So they wanted to, they realized that they can't get rid of nationalism so they wanted to create a, nas- a version of nationalism that was in line with Shia, um, Shia Islam, right? With their version of Shia Islam, and they have so many different hadiths and uh, sayings that try to support that claim, right? How okay, so what happened? Then? And- oh. So he added so, it. How, so what? Where are we now? So the, where we are now is that we have a lot of mullahs in Iran that constantly try to say that our holidays need to be as the Islamic ones not these Zoroastrian ones, right? And this is Korf, this is going back to pagan pagan Zoroastrian religions, and this is an insult, how is this legal? But the government itself has the official, knows this is something that they cannot go back on. Like even they, they, they were early in the revolution, there was a threat that they might destroy purse police, which is like the Achaemenid uh, castle that there, right? Um, but the, the Islamic Republic tried to... Achaemenid had spoken against the kings, the ancient kings of Iran a couple of times, but at the same time, he was like, oh, we need to... This is part of our history, and we should admire it, but also remember that these kings were evil, and they were not good people that we should. So he tries to have it both ways, right? So if you look at the regime keeps on... And uh, when they have the new year, so th- they recognize the new year, uh, the Zoroastrian <laughs> new year, and they um, say happy new year to everybody on that day. The calendar is based on that new year. Everything is based on that. Um, and every every new year, you have some more more extreme mullahs compared to the government come out and be like, what the hell is this? Why are we doing this? Why is our holidays? We need to uh, make the Islamic holidays more important than these um, pagan ones. Um, but you can see when uh, Khamenei comes and gives out his um, speech um, on New Year, he doesn't have the symbolisms of the New Year. So I don't know if do you want me to show you, for example... How many? So some years they put like this one thing from the half scene. Do you know what half scene is? No. Um, here. So if you look at, okay, so yeah, I can't find it right now. But half scene is the way you celebrate the uh, the new year. Like everybody in their home has this. So- Demonstrated here. Let me show you. Hold on, hold on. You oh, can right, you can okay. see people 
people celebrate the new year, right? Yeah. With a half scene. So there's seven, seven things with um with that starts with the sunset and That's each beautiful. one of them represents yeah, each one of them represents something. People like my dad sent his picture of what he has, right? So this year, for example, you can see less there's supposed to be a book always there, right? But look yeah. at for example this picture, right? Um usually it's a Quran to make oh. Islamize it a little bit. But some people don't like to put it in the Quran and they put Hafez, which is a, po a Persian poet, or Ferdowsi for the ultra nationalist ones, right? For the very nationalist ones, like right. the book of the book of Shahnameh, right? Which is another Persian poet. And this year, interestingly, more people have switched their book away from Quran to a Persian poet. Well, right? obviously, we saw that uh, we saw that poll result where. The, the support for the current Islamic regime had dropped down to something like 19%. Remember? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So even religious people seem to um, think that the Quran represents the government and stuff. So, so, okay. So here's the thing. You could see here, sometimes the president oh. puts some of the symbols of like the fish, the fish, the goldfish, right? Um, some of the symbols of the new year, but not all of them. But Khamenei, when he speaks, he puts none of the symbols there, right? right. The president, something this new president puts none of the symbols. Khamenei always puts none of the but symbols. Still doing it. Oh, you can see, but yeah, but still come out and give a speech and new year speech on the same day, right? But you can see people get always say, like, look, Biden, the, uh, the US president comes on Iranian new year, puts all the symbols, and they come oh, and wow. say. So Biden comes out and gives a speech on Iranian New Year and help, wish Iranians a happy New Year. But they like, what is, they, the Iranians are always like, look, our presidents and our leader don't put the Iranian symbols there, but a foreign, the, but the U.S. president comes out and celebrates yeah, all the Persian symbols. Now, now, gives it, it, now it gives them more of a reason not to do it because the Americans have done it. Um, now, okay, okay, look, okay. look at, this is the, this is the, this is in the White House. This is the half scene on New Year in the White House. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's yeah, perfect, beautiful. right? Like, okay. Have all okay. Okay. Let's, let, let, let's take it to the, uh, to, to, to the next direction. Um, so... What I've learned so far is obviously this is a this is a happy new year, kind of like a Chinese New Year, pre, that predates Islam. Iran and the Islamic Republic of Iran, and even they have kind of accepted it because there is a desire amongst the people of Iran to hold on to certain cultural practices such as Happy New Year, Nowruz, and this is something that brings the Kurds and the Iranian people together as well that's another element of that too well i mean the kurds are iranian so i don't yeah but it's very uh, it's very important not to separate yeah i, no, I, I don't I, do, I, I don't but i'm, I'm just talking yeah. about what the political tension there is of course i, I mean i i, I right. for me Baloch, half the iranians are Baloch. well they're below iranians too with pakistani blood i i, I yes. I'm, I'm just saying that some of the political differences that they may have could be overcome and then these are the things that actually unite certain people. I'm just going, I'm just thinking about the Pakistani. I'm just going to bring my Pakistani into it. Um, and, you know, like Egyptians might have similar problems and the Turks might have similar problems. Pakistan is more Indian than obviously is Persian or Afghan. Majority of Pakistan is more Indian. Let's just say Punjab, 60% of Punjab is, and Sin 
these are things. Punjab and Sindh make up about 80% of Pakistan, and that's um, that's uh, mostly Indians. Okay, but they would die before they, they they would they would turn they would turn the world upside down before they adopt anything that is found rooted in the ancient Indian culture. Um, had they not created the separate country, let's just say this whole of India had become an Islamic Republic of India. Let's just say that. Again, not trying to scare any Hindus over there. <laughs> but I'm just saying, let's just say that. I think then, then these people would have had more respect towards their ancient culture than current Pakistanis do. Because I know current Pakistanis don't look at it from any angle. Like, I mean, and, and I get accused of that too, but I, I may, maybe there might be something, uh, there might be something in it, but, but I don't, I'd actually, I don't, I don't crap on the good things that we can see, like I can appreciate uh, academically. But anyway, my point is, so Iran, Iranians, despite the fact that they have this very hardcore Islamic regime, they still respect or they have no choice to go for um, some traditional uh, but they see it as a battle between for against the regime. They see the regime as a foreign force that's trying to Islamize the country, and they see them holding on to their ancient nationalist symbols as a way to as a resistance. To it. As a way. I, to, as a I, I I'm I'm too much of a modernist to to have never given any respect to these ancient cultures or i mean i say that you 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 want to get rid of islamic republic of iran you want to get rid of if there was islamic republic of egypt you don't need to go back to the pharaohs or to cyrus the great you can just do it on the basis of our modern civilization democracy human rights blah 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 um but how do you see that though because obviously this seems like people obviously feel the further away it is in the past people have this kind of motivating force that propels them to to achieve yeah. some amazing things like i mean i i as a i i just can't see it like i mean i i don't know like what, what are your thoughts on that do you think it's important then um i mean it is what it is and i think it's so deep-rooted that you have to deal with it as a reality rather than like i have my personal taste and i think people need tradition okay and I, people need rituals and tradition it is part of our the human psyche and some of us don't understand that because we're just black sheep but just because we don't relate to it we can't deny it as part of the a human desire and need that's such an important the reality that people need it and people see value in tradition people see value in history people see value in rituals and there's a lot of scientific uh, evidence that shows that rituals actually are a, a human need um, I, I'm I'm okay yeah, with rituals yeah. though. I'm yeah. I'm okay with rituals though, but I just don't understand the desire to to seek validation for it. Like I mean, Iran is not going to become stop st stop becoming Iran if the, let's just say there was no references to people were not celebrating Nowruz, people were not celebrating any other pre-Islamic Iranian traditions. Iran is not going to stop becoming Iran. Um, right, but yeah. But, but, but why, why do people seek validation? I see that obviously in India, which I'm more familiar with. I see that in India. People just like say, we did this, we did this, we did that 3,000, 5,000 years ago. I'm like, okay, yeah, then what? What's the point? I just, but I, I see the desire to say that, hey, look, we did it. Look, 
most of that well, bullshit anyway. But because my mind and your mind is very individualistic, right? But people, so when we are looking, when we, me and you, define our identity, we look at our own history, our own personal history, and our own personal uh, failures and achievements, right? But uh, other people's minds, most people's minds, uh, works as a collective, right? And when they define themselves, they define themselves as part of a part of something greater than themselves, as part of a collective, as part of a group. And to see the identity of that group, what they look into is the history of the group, and the symbols of the group, and the achievements of the group, and the failures of the group. So that's how they are trying to. That's the mirror they look into when they want to see themselves. Right. And by the way, when it comes to this identity, look at the way uh, I just want to show you. Right. So look at the difference. Right. So uh, in Iran, we have two ident competing identities. Right. The Persian identity and the Islamic identity. Right. And by the way, it's very important for us to phrase it as the Islamic identity because not the Arab identity, because I don't is I think it helps people. This becomes people versus a religion rather than people versus other people, right? Um, a lot of people are talking about the Arabization of Iran, and that is that that would cause a lot of racism. So I think it's, it's, if, if we're describing this thing, Islamization would be a better way to describe it rather than Arabization, because I don't want to promote any form of racism, right? But you can see if as the the Persian identity, people look at Nowruz as the main... There are a couple other f Persian festivals and days that people enjoy, right? Uh, there's Actually, there's a lot. But Nowruz is the main one. Nowruz is the main Persian day, right? And Kurdish, sorry, not just Persian, Kurdish as well, right? Uh, and you can see it's colorful. It celebrates life. Um, it's happy. It's festive and all of that, right? And then if you go to the main... What is the main Shia the um festival day it's oh, wow. it's ashura right ashura, yes. so if if you switch you can see black oh. you can see blood you can see so if you look at ashura on google images you see a lot of misery ah, you see a lot of crying right so don't share too much of it did, okay don't share i'm gonna go back to Nuru's, which is safer to share right um so people see, like, look at basically this Iranian people describe this as the battle between happiness and sadness, between light, literally light and color versus darkness and black uh, versus blood is, blood is colorful yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's where you get color. When you get, you get color in shiz and when you draw blood, that's the only yeah, way you could get that, that's color, terrible. right? Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but you can see the difference is it's the difference between happiness and and misery like it's it, it the, this the images just speak for themselves right um and but surely and that's a that, surely that's a terrible generalization yeah i'm sure in ancient ancient persia there would have been terrible there would there would have been lots of blood and suffering and misery too yeah of course but at least the 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 celebrate the what you kept what you're celebrating yeah. is a celebration of nature, happiness, light, mm -hmm. people coming together. Yeah. But like the Shia tradition, the Islamic Shia traditions are celebrations of killing, of sadness, of misery, of black, of, of things that people don't like, right? Um, yeah. And also Soha is bringing up something interesting. Uh, Soha is saying, I was going to say that too, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, so Noruz, Ramadan, and Atheist Day all happening around the same time. Not at the same time. I think the same day as well, because I think tomorrow's Ramadan for Shias. Tomorrow's Atheist Day. I don't know about yeah. Noruz. Is it Noruz tomorrow as well? Noruz was uh, 21st. So, oh, okay. Noruz, but it's 13 days. So, it's basically Nor- the Noruz celebration is matching the f- uh, with Ramadan. And people see this year. In Iran, this has turned into a battle more than before, right? Because Ramadan is an Islamic um, uh, tradition and Nuruz is the Persian one. So now more than ever, people are going to watch and see which one is going to be taken more seriously. The Ramadan is going to be taken more seriously or Nuruz is going to be taken seriously. So now... Oh, no, Ruz. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. All right, that was very educational. I, I think I can take two or three bits out of that. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I wanted your thoughts. Okay, so let's go from one culture to another culture. Now, this is why a lot of things in cultures put me off. And I'm going to be Jordan Peterson for a moment, just like Jordan Peterson said about Kalima. He said, why? Why are we expected to? I'm paraphrasing it, and I'm ex- detailing what he meant to say. That why... Are we, whenever we look at something exotic, some exotic cultural tradition or activity or festivity, we say, oh, isn't that beautiful? Screw this. What am I going to say this? What am I going to do? And and again, I'm Indian as well. So uh, to me, it doesn't really matter. It's not exotic for me. Kind of is because we were separated from men from mainstream India, but it's not really that much of a deal. But we look the same, so I think I can take the liberty of making fun of this. And what I'm about to show you is gross. And if you're a non-Indian or a non-Pakistani person, non-subcontinental person, it's okay to say that this is disgusting. This is terrible. And you don't have to go like, oh, that's so beautiful just because it's exotic. And I'm, I don't want to seem racist if I, if I made fun of that. So if you're eating something, or if you're drinking something, I would suggest you to put it down for a second and have a look at this crap. <laughs> this is, there is this temple in India, uh, Bikana Rajasthan. It was founded by a woman named Karni Mata, in which people worship rats and they and then they drink the milk that's been drunk by the by rats, and they use the same utensils, same plate, same everything. And they believe that these rats are the reincarnation of that founding woman named Kanimata. So have a listen. Have a look at this. <laughs> this, is, this is absolutely... I can't look at it. I mean, how are you going? <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> this, is, this is... And then they go, oh, but that, mice, that mice is cute. But, oh, they're like, what the hell are you doing? They're like, you stupid humans. You think that I'm a reincarnation or something? Oh, yeah, yummy. <laughs> it's like, I mean, what do you think? Well, this, is it, I, mean, I mean, is this beautiful? Did, did you find it beautiful? What, beautiful it really depends. <laughs> are those rats like rats that are allowed in sewers and stuff? Like, what yeah, kind of rats yeah, are we well, talking about? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think they... They breed them, they look after them a whole mm. year round, and then they release them. I don't, I don't think so. I think they go everywhere. Rats go everywhere. Mm, yeah. See, rats can be clean and healthy, okay? But not rats that are, especially in India, the streets are, I've heard are very dirty. I heard there's poop everywhere. 
right? Is it? So cow poops I am, <laughs> So rats probably are carrying a lot of disease. Okay, I don't want to. You know the reason why I'm being careful because I don't want to promote anti-rat attitude. Okay, because rats can be. I show you not scared. Kid little. I show you not criticize. I I show you not scared mm-hmm. of the radical Hindu uh, blowback. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that is disgusting. What you showed because those rats are street rats, right? So they carry. They could be carrying diseases with them and spreading it in the food that you're eating, right? But That's I just want to be. I yeah. I just want to be. I just don't want to promote hatred against rats. <laughs> no, no, rat, no, no ratophobia here, okay? Yes, yes. If you're a rat, if you're Stuart Little, you're watching this, or Bernard from The Rescuers, um, nothing personal, okay? We're just trying to, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's, it's not the rat itself that is disgusting, okay? The rat itself is not disgusting, okay? It's the disease that it happens to carry a lot of times, that is disgusting and a concern. Um, but the rats are not inherently disgusting. Uh, you could have a very cute little rat pet at home that is clean and free of diseases. And they are very wonderful creatures. And they, I've heard they're very, very smart as well. Right? Uh, but yeah, that, those rats are are carrying disgusting diseases with them. Um, yeah. No, but but I, I, I wanted to ask you... I don't this rats. is what happens with cultures. This is what happens with cultures and tradition when people blindly start following it. I know you said that, you know, like people have this collective mindset. They want something to be proud of. They want something to be angry at. They want something to be a part of, something bigger than themselves, all of that. Okay, it might be a good thing. It might feed something yeah. that is lacking in your existence, but it has some massive drawbacks as well. And that is one of them people yeah. end up inventing some really, really, really idiotic and stupid traditions like that. And there's so many others, you know, of course, you know. I mean, Would you find it as stupid if there were cats instead of rats? Um, no, not as stupid. It would still be mm-hmm. stupid. Actually, no, hang on. Yeah, no, not as stupid because there would have been less chance of getting disease, but still would have been stupid mm. to think that this cat has come uh, used to be this this goddess or this other being in the previous life and now it's the reincarnation of that. It would still be stupid, but not as stupid because at least it wouldn't be lethal for my kids. They wouldn't be catching this disease, or at least, or right. well, they could still catch. Do we have any thing. reports of diseases being spread in such temples and people getting sick? Do we know? I I, I I don't know. I only found out about this yesterday and i was like what the hell uh but look i mean how many people die there you know like if people would die there i i doubt that the elite indians would be going there people who have access to best medical facilities they wouldn't be going there even if they did fall sick then they would just heal but then there would be so many people who would just die and nobody would know they'd be like oh maybe he did not do you know maybe he might have offended um yeah. mata whatever mata he was but uh Mati Mata, mm. Gandhi Mata. So yeah. Anyway, that's, would you that's go to that temple? If that was huh? the temple, like, would you go into that temple just to check it out? I, I, I would brave out seeing these rats running around. I don't think I'd, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be, I don't think I'd get scared of them or, or would get. I don't think I would freak out. But no, I ain't touching that milk. 
No way. And <laughs> <laughs> milk is bad. Makes I'm, not, I'm not being like that. I'm, I'm not going to be like that guy. Mm, mm, yummy. <laughs> Very beautiful. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this is such a radio thing today. <laughs> but you got a new member, Tejas. Tejas. Just became a member. Hello, Tejas, my lovely Tejas. I hope you don't. Uh, I hope you're liking the show. Yeah. Okay. I have a, the next patron question. Ooh. Have you experienced racism in Canada or Australia? If so, was it because you were Muslim or due to how you look? I would. Oh, okay. You know, a lot of people get surprised when I say that I never experienced racism. And every. Every other Pakistani or Indian friend that I had, they all complained about experiencing racism, not once, but multiple times. Um, once on a cricket field, I had this, and then I get it, it was just a cricketing experience. So, you know, like when, like, by the way, I have a cricket channel, the Club Cricketer, check it out, there's a new video coming out. Um, there's a, you know, the people exchange words on the cricket field, usually say some stuff. So once there was this guy, he called me like a score at 50. 50 is a mini milestone. So I celebrated a little bit. My, my teammates were going, go, Harry. I was like, yeah, I just waved my bat a little bit. And then this big guy comes in, Aussie Yovo Bogan kind of guy. He goes to me, oh, yeah, now go celebrate with the Papa Dom. <laughs> so he said that to me. So I was like, okay, all right. I said, you should be ashamed of yourself for, for saying that, but that's fine. Coincidentally, when he came on to bat later on, I bowled at him and I bowled him. And then he, so we were all like, we all went up, like I got him out. And then I said, go have a cheeseburger, mate. <laughs> and he just took it too personally. And, you know, like there was this Ajibaji and he pretended that he was going to punch me. And I was telling my friend, he was a big guy. I was telling my friend, hold me tight. Hey, yeah, yeah, come on, man. What do you want? <laughs> so anyway, nothing happened. That's one incident. But other than that, you know, like nothing's ever happened. But I've had multiple friends where people say, Okay, oh, he was looking at me funny, meaning he was being racist. So I think people feel being um, being racially vilified. Of course, if someone says explicitly, then okay, that's something. But I think most of the time, a lot of people feel being racially attacked when it's all in the head um, and it's got nothing to do with your race. It's just your insecurity or you not being able to communicate effectively or you having all these feelings that, oh, hang on, these people are racist. Um, so I, I reckon most of the time that's what happens. I never I never looked at anyone else other than me as like, oh, are you racially judging me? I never looked at it. I, it, it has never been in my mind because maybe in my own mind, I always think that, you know, like, oh, chest out. I'm the best thing that ever happened to the world. I'm walking around. There's no one who's looking at me. You're looking at me because you want to be like me. Oh, but he's probably looking at me like, well, look at this brown person. Who does, he th who does he think he is? But I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, I own this joint. I'm walking around. So maybe that's why I never feel that way. And I always have recommended people. Unless someone says explicitly, like, for example, that guy told me, like, go have Papa Dom. I gave him a quirky response back too. Um, in fact, I was actually sitting on it because, like, that happened a year, an hour, an, an hour or two later. So, uh, no, I, I would say no. Australia has been very kind to me. And not only this Australia, I've traveled thanks to Australian passport. I've been able to travel to 
I don't know, 30, 35 countries. I've been to some Eastern European countries too, where people say that, oh, they're a bit more racist. I've never felt anything. I've been to Serbia, Poland, Austria, everything's been nice. That is not to say that there's no racism. I'm just saying me, I, as being a brown person, I've got nothing to complain. What about you, Armin? Well, I have had um, some experiences. I don't know if they're racist or not. I have three. You could, I will tell you, Harris, what they were, and you tell me if you think they were motivated by racism or not, okay? Because I don't know. Uh, one time in Vancouver, I was waiting, Vancouver, Canada, for people who don't know, I was waiting at the bus stop, and this random white guy that I was not in a conversation with decided to just tell me that, you know, Canada was so much greater when they didn't have all these immigrants here. So I don't know why he would decided to tell me that, but he just decided to tell me that, right? So that was, I'm like, okay. I didn't have any, I didn't want to have a conversation with him, so I didn't carry a conversation with him. So that's the first one. Do you think that was racism? I, I think yes. I, so he just randomly told you this. Just randomly started talking to me about how, yeah. how much Canada yeah. was Britain. Yeah, yeah I think okay. it was pretty much, yeah, I think it was racist. It was, yeah. Okay. So the second time I was walking um, in the street. But, 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 but let me ask you a question. But, but before you go there, because I, I reckon people, racism and xenophobia also has a very thin line between the two as well. If you spoke, had, you, had, had he actually heard you at that point? Had, you heard, had he heard you on the phone? Had he, had he heard you? Nope. Okay. So you were just sitting quietly? Yeah. Standing oh, okay. at the bus stop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, yeah, it's just racist. Yeah. I think okay. the second. Yeah. The second time I was working with my wife um, on the sidewalk in, in the street, and this white lady decides to just walk right into my wife, just walk right into my wife, like hitting her shoulder, and walking back, like and 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 turning back on us and saying, telling to us that. In this country, we walk on the right side of the uh, sidewalk, oh. right? So, so on the sidewalk, we were on the left side, right and right side. As like, I think this is a harder rule with cars, not with pedestrians, right? I don't remember people being having such a hard rule. But which side of the sidewalk? Which side on the escalator are you on? Like, you know, the people who just stand, well, I, and the people who just leave it open for everyone to. No, no, I, 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 I do. I follow that rule. Like when I'm standing, I'm on the yeah. No, I but, it, but it's a little bit different in a, like I've seen it's different because Australia is very similar to England. Like we have left yeah, yeah. Right. no, but that's the escalator. I'm talking yeah. about okay. the sidewalk in the street. I don't. Yeah. There's no rules right. that you have to walk on the right side. There's not much rule. But this lady decides to just chest bump my wife and tell us both that in this country, blah blah blah, something like that, right? So do you think that was racist? I reckon she was just pissed off. And then because she saw, let's just say if you were over, like, let's just say if you were both white people and let's say you were overweight, then she would have said something else. She would have thrown an insult about your body shape. I think she was just pissed mm. off. So I, I, I don't, I, I think that person might not be racist in general. It's just, it's, mm. it's just a yeah, situation that the first guy is definitely racist because he's probably observing He's looking at things. He's like, yeah, look at this, that brown person, that black person, that Asian person. And oh, only two white people. Everything's messed up. 
So he, he's he's definitely thinking along those lines. Yeah, she was angry about whatever. She'd probably want to walk fast. And she's like, Ew! it just happened to be two non-Canadian, non-white people in front of her. By the way, you look like white anyway. <laughs> I actually have four examples, and because I don't oh. want to just talk about white guys only, so I have a, I have four examples, right? So the the third example is this lady um, who we were eating with um, asked me if I um, no, she didn't ask me. Like I ordered something that had pork in it, and she was surprised that I'm eating pork. I was like, you really eat pork? I'm like, yeah. And then the entire time that I was eating, like, you're really going to eat that? So I constantly like, yeah, I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't believe anything. I'm going to, I like pork. I eat pork. But the constant insistent, like, why are you eating pork? You shouldn't be like, you're not somebody who eats pork, uh, was constantly told to me and remind, I was being constantly reminded. That's, That's not racist. Okay. Yeah. okay. So this, this last one is definitely, you don't even need to answer this. The last one is definitely um, racism, okay? Um, but not by a white person. I, I was in the gym in Canada, okay? And this Persian guy, okay, was like, I was lifting weights. This other guy was like lifting weights. And I came to the rack and none of the weights that I want is there, right? And I'm like, where are all the weights? Why aren't people putting it back? And this Persian guy, uh, who recognized that I'm Persian as well, starts speaking Farsi. You're like, yeah, you know, it's all these Arabs they live in. And <laughs> I'm like, they should just not let the Arabs in here. And because look at these, they're, un they're like uncivilized people that they just don't put their uh, weights back. Weights back, yeah. And I was like, and I was like, you know, if there was any. If we lived in a country where the gyms were allowed and enforced, like not letting Arabs inside the gym, they wouldn't, they would probably not let me and you in either. <laughs> so I don't think you should wish for that world because they don't, they're not gonna, <laughs> they're gonna apply the same rules to us. So that's what I told them. That's uh, right. But th that reminds yeah. me. Yeah. Anyway, that, that, that actually reminds me our next story that we're going to talk about it too. So yeah, I think we've answered that question. I think, I think your incident one and incident four were definitely racist. Incident two, I reckon it was just a pissed off ill-mannered woman who should learn better, who should know better. Uh, but, but I guarantee you she's probably throwing insults at other people based on their appearances or whatever she i think it's very not saying that it's the right behavior to have but people do do that unfortunately um but uh number three was definitely not racist i think she was just shocked this person was just shocked like whoa are you you're a muslim bro don't eat <laughs> don't eat more <laughs> well, i mean a lot of people think that is a stereotype based on my ethnicity she was assuming my behavior, so some people were might say just that that's kind of racist. I don't know. Nah, nah, anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, what is this next thing that you? Oh yes, should I talk about it now? This is this is very troubling and worrying and heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, yesterday, it it happened a few days prior to that, but yesterday this video. Um, started doing rounds on social media uh, again let me tell you this is uh, troubling and gruesome and gory but i um 
Uh, but there you, is. Uh, you show the actual act. Are you going to show the actual act? I'm going to show a little bit of it. No, no, I'm not going to show the actual act, but I'm going to show the build up to that. Um, just give me a second. Uh, okay. So there was this Pakistani uncle who was just going about his business in Ealing, London. This information is wrong here, but later on it's been confirmed. It is in London. This uncle. As you can see, he's an old man, an elderly man, just minding his own business, just went to a mosque and now going home. And this guy is following him and he follows him and he keeps following him. And then he he starts an argument with him. As you can see them here, he starts an argument with him uh, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with him. He has an argument. The uncle says, I don't understand you. I don't know what you're saying. So he, he as you can see, he's trying to get away from him. And he, try, he tries to get away from him. And then he walks away. And then a little bit later when he gets there, this guy throws, douses some sort of liquid. We assume some sort of flammable liquid, petrol or kerosene oil or something. And he sets him on fire. And you can hear his screams, the old man. Uh, he suffered with some ex some serious burns all over his body, his face, hands, legs, everywhere. Totally messed up situation. Um, but then it was, um, it obviously spread like wildfire because this is next level violence. When you hear the screams of this person and you're like, what's going on? How can some people do this kind of stuff? Initially, we had a similar knee-jerk reaction from Muslims. Um, they were like, oh, this is Islamophobia, you know, like, again, the same victim mentality. Oh, God, please, Allah, save all Muslims. Uh, and uh, this, this is something like I, I genuinely want to say. This is, this is a majority Muslim reaction. A, Islamophobia, everyone, the whole world is out to get us. That's number one. And number two, when they pray, why do they only pray to keep only Muslims safe? Why? You're, you are dis bigoted even in your imaginary beliefs. Like prayers don't do anything, whether you say Muslim, Hindus, or Christian, or atheist, it doesn't really matter. But that says a lot about your character. But anyway, I don't want to turn that about around about that. Um, so people started so claiming that, oh, this is Islamophobia, blah, blah, blah. But then Daily Mail did a post on this, and uh, Guardian did a report on that as well. And then they identified this person. The, the, the first video that I showed you where the guy was easily visible that hadn't become available that just became available much later um so so basically the cops found him and they found him and uh and yeah a lot of people saw is this guy not a big guy now look at him it's the same guy same jacket puffer jacket with white logo on his left side a lot of people were upset uh but i saw a lot of racist comments as well from a lot of muslims you know when you were talking about um how your persian friend was saying that oh why do they let arabs in so i see a lot of racist comments as well uh, regarding this arrest that why do they let them in obviously we don't support that i'm just trying to report that um but my response to those people who are saying those things is exactly what armin said to his persian friend or, or thought about saying to his persian friend that if they applied 
that mentality that we should not let anyone who doesn't look like us, then you would not have been in England either. But having said that, though, I'm glad this guy got arrested and I, and I hope he, he's put away for a long time. I mean, Why did he do that? Why did he do that? It, ha it hasn't become clear yet. Uh, I think we're, we're probably going to get more information as uh, some credible news um, reporting agencies are going to report on that. The last report it still was... might be Mus anti-Muslim bigotry. We don't know if the guy is Muslim. It, it still could. Well. Okay, okay. Let, yeah, it, it still could be, but I think the chances are low. Let me um, show you why. Uh, I just also want to mention that you know anti-Muslim bigotry is a real thing. I mean, even if this is not a oh, case yes. of it. Yeah, so we do have of to course. pay attention. To of course, yeah. of course. Also, but... we do have we do have Muslims who we do have examples of Muslims who want the best for everybody. Not just yeah, Muslims. yeah, no, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah I, I thank. Yeah. I, I love you, Amen. I, I really do because you always correct me. <laughs> but, but when I when I when I do say that, obviously, I'm talking about those who yeah. don't think that think like that. I know. Uh, I by know. the way, I just so, wanted to mention. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's good. That's good. I want you to keep doing that because you know, because then people. Come around and say this. So, by the way, this guy was also in the same mosque. Here he is in the mosque. So that's why I think it, he may not be. It may not be anti-Muslim bigotry attack. Uh, he actually is a Muslim as well. But who knows? Like he might have some mental health issues. Maybe, I don't know. maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe he's yeah. pretending. Maybe he's there yeah, yeah. to target yeah. Muslims. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Look, it, it could be. Yeah, it could be not religiously motivated at all. It could be that he's a Muslim and is still religious motivated if it's between sects. So, yeah, we don't know. Could be anything. Could no be idea. anything. But my point is, getting that... Look, look at Armin. Look, see, he's open-minded. He's keeping all options open. He's not ruling out even anti-Muslim bigotry. But Muslims... Not hashtag, not all Muslims. <laughs> they jump into oh, Islamophobia, anti-Muslim bigotry. We're the victims of Allah. Please save Muslims. Like, drop this victim mentality. Just drop it. Just for once, just be open-minded and, and, and honest with your interpretation of, of the events that are taking place around you. Is uh, is the old man going to be okay? I hope He's so. Gonna... I, I, the, no, last last thing that I saw, uh, the, the poor guy suffered a lot of, uh, I think, 80% yeah. of uh, burns to his body. And he was in, criti he was in a critical condition. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I can't. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I got so disheartened. Horrible. So, no, because I heard the screams. I wish I hadn't seen it. But then, because the video where I stopped it just 20 seconds later, I heard his screams. Like, it was so helpless. A couple of cars just zoomed past. And I don't know, man. Like, I, I to be honest, like, I, we, we all see these things and we say that, okay, I would have done that. We, we don't know what we would have done. But this is... This was heartbreaking because you see that poor old man. Like, I mean, I can see any of my uncles like that. You know, um, it's it's just nobody deserves that. Nobody, nobody deserves that. Uh, mm. These sick people who I don't know where they get these ideas. He obviously came out looking to to hurt someone. It was just that poor guy at the wrong place at the wrong time. He came with with this with this flammable liquid. He came out with the intent to harm someone um, in 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 one of the most atrocious of ways um so yeah i mean i i know this is an ealing i've been e to ealing like i've seen that ealing mosque i know where that is um so yeah it, it's it's just terrible i hope i hope he makes it i hope he gets i don't know but he'll be scarred for life well i hope they get together and support the man and somehow get him surgeries and stuff god damn it fuck with that evil world
Anyways, I can't even imagine the pain. Um, oh, by the way, I just do want to mention that uh, Killing with Fire is specifically anti-Islamic. Because mm-hmm. there's a hadith that they, um, that they tried Ali. to kill. Yes, Ali, exactly. And what? then Abbas yeah. said, Ibn Abbas said that I wish you hadn't killed him with fire because fire is the punishment by fire is reserved only for Allah. Only Allah can burn. Humans can't burn other people. Yes. So it's not against... Um, so Ali, the fourth caliph, the first Imam of Shias, he killed somebody, uh, some atheists with fire. Um, and apparently that was the wrong thing to do because Muhammad himself had remind, told, like somebody reminded Ali, which is weird because you would think Ali would know such a thing. Because he's uh, such a, um, he was so close to Muhammad. That that's not the Islamic way to go about doing it. You're supposed to cut the head off. Um, a, a fire is only Allah's way a method of punishment. Mm. Not so humans shouldn't be using that. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go to the next question. Uh, I saw a talk where you mentioned. I don't know who this is. That just to. I saw a talk where you mentioned that Muslims need to feel welcome in order to integrate. What can people of that country do to make them feel welcome? Well, I mean, did you say that? This is something. That, this is something more or less. I would say. I think I might have said something like that along the line. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Well, it's not just. I don't want you to think about it as a, only a strategic way. You're like, oh, we're just like we don't like these people. We're just like being nice to them so that we could make it get them integrated. Because <laughs> it would be. I mean, you should. Yeah, I, I want you to. I mean, it's important for you to just be a genuine, nice person uh, to other human beings. And I hope, like, instead of thinking about it strategically to, like, what do we do so that we could manipulate them so that they become more secular and liberal? I think the way you should look at it more is that I I, I genuinely want to just be nicer to people around me. And Muslims are human and they're people so given that they're part of that subcategory i just want to be nice to them just because i want to be a nice person to people uh but in case some people are psychopaths or just don't are anti-muslim bigots um i come up with this argument that even if you're anti-islam and you want islam to roles to diminish in society uh, and you're just not a nice enough human being to just be nice to people just because that's the right thing to do. From a strategic perspective, you're doing yourself harm as well because the more you demonize Muslims, the more you're going to radicalize them because the more separate and alienated you're going to feel from the rest of society um, and the less they're going to feel like they are belong to this community and the less they're interested they are in adopting its values. And they're going to be in their own Muslim community, and especially the radical Muslim communities. And they're going the more segregated, the more uh, isolated they feel, the more hardline they're going to get. This is what every study shows when it comes to radicalization, right? So, but how could you feel? Uh, how could you make people feel more welcome? Just be nice to them. Just be nice. Just be, just treat them like you would. Uh, treat anybody that you want them to feel like. Just make your experience with them a pleasant experience. That's that's just all. Don't, it takes. Just I'm don't. Yeah. Just don't walk up to people yeah. and say, "Oh, what a 
ugly tradition. <laughs> this is something I know you might say that, okay, well, isn't this hypocritical because we, I do it. Um, obviously, I do it in a different environment and, and I have always said it. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I've always said it. It's always best coming from people who who are native to that culture. For example, first and foremost, I criticize Islam. It would go, it would not go as as bigotry, even though I would say that we should live in a world where white people should be able to say that too, but they can't really. They always there's always a little bit of uneasiness, and I understand that why. The second thing that I do is obviously I criticize a lot of Indian culture as well. I take a lot of liberty at that as well because I am Indian. My DNA is Indian. Sorry. I know a lot of Indians don't like it. They say, oh, you Pakistani, you can't talk, you racist, blah, blah, blah. Nah, it's not going to work. It hasn't stuck. It's not going to stick in the future either. I, I, however, even if I find something that is not appealing or not pleasing to me, like let's say if it's from any other culture, let's say South American or European. Or, Europeans now, well, white people are the easiest people to, <laughs> to talk crap about. But if let's say African or South American or Chinese, or I don't really say anything. Because I know it might not be nice. So how do you see how do you, how do you see that? I I know it's a double-edged sword. You might say that we should be we should live in a world where we should be able to fairly criticize all cultures and religions and traditions if we if we don't find them or if you find them ridiculous. But we know that this it just doesn't work that way. If Richard Dawkins talks crap about Islam specifically, he's gonna it's gonna look bad. Mm. So I would suggest that don't come up to random Muslims and talk to them about Islam and why their ideas are wrong, right? Um, but if you if a Muslim is hearing your ideas about why Islam is wrong, it needs to be because they have green lips that you know and they have they've shown their willingness to hear that, right? And there's two ways to get that green light from a Muslim. To talk to them about Islam, right? First of all, you could do it in environments where it's clearly meant for that discussion, right? For example, the Secular Jihadist YouTube channel. If a Muslim comes here, they have decided to come here. We didn't go to them. So they've already given you the green light because they came to you, right? Or a debate club. Or, for example, you could have an event, a, a, a offline event where people talk about their issues with Islam. So if a Muslim comes to that event, they've already have given you the green light with their feet because it was clear what this event is about and they came to it, right? So that makes it pretty easy. Let me just uh, block a spammer in the live chat. I will highlight it as well. Just soon. Oh, wait, it, 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 it's, oh, disappeared. Wait. it's disappeared. Yeah, it disappeared, yeah. Um, but yeah, but for example, if you meet a hijab, like if you're walking but I mean, in, you're doing that. Canada, like, yeah, just let me say, like for example, if you meet a hijabi or a Muslim man, and it's clear that they're Muslim, the fact that they're Muslim does not give you the permission for you to just go tell them that Islam is wrong. It doesn't give you the permission. It's the same thing with gay people or trans people, right? They might not be interested. That's pretty rude. Um, if they signal to you, I mean that they're interested, then go ahead, right? Or there are, if you're really eager to talk to them, um, there are subtle ways but to see if they're interested, but because a lot of people are not talented in trying to get that green light for them, it's mostly recommended that unless they show interest uh, in talking to you about it, don't bring it up. 
it's none of your business you no, know but we're talking about a social level but we're talking about social levels uh, uh, on a bigger level as well because this includes that as well so for example if someone comes to england or some western country and then they look at it okay there's so many people like let's just say i'm in the is a native englishman he's a white man harris harris smith is <laughs> some white dude and here he is on youtube talking crap about islam telling people how bad islam is then this tip would not apply on him because he'd be like, oh, yeah, look at this. Everyone hates my religion or these people attack my religion all the time. How this this one, my point is that it is always more effective coming from from indigenous people like we are indigenous to Islam. We I'm, I'm somewhat indigenous to Indian culture. You're, this is why I think you receive more backlash for your Kali stunt that I ever did because like you pesky Persian, you, <laughs> how dare you right. say that to me as well, but, but it doesn't stick. Yeah. But that's, I, I don't care about the backlash. You know, the, I'm talking about what, what's welcome or, because if you follow what I'm saying, these, these principles that makes what you're doing moral, then the backlash, whether it happens or not, it's not, you did the right thing, right? So I go after Islam on against Islam very harshly on platforms that are meant for that. Um, on Atheist Republic, on Secular Jihadists, on my Twitter account, right? Um, on my Facebook account. And people know that this is what I do. So if they come to the content that I make, they have already given me the green light because they came to me, I didn't go to them. But when I meet a Muslim in the real, like in the offline world, like if I see a hijabi woman or a, Muslim, a person, a man that is obviously a Muslim because of like, I don't know, holding a Quran or like holding a tasbih or whatever, I don't go and say like, talk to them against Islam, right? Um, but if they all of a sudden want to talk to me about Islam, then they give me the, me the green light because they they started the conversation. So I'm like... Oh baby, here we go. I try. I will keep it friendly, though. I will keep it friendly. But but the, then I have the permission to start talking about Islam. I just think like, don't 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 shit where you eat, right? In your personal life, in your backyard, in oh, yeah. the city that you live in, don't. That's not where a place where you're supposed to go. And oh, here's I, I, I mean, yeah. But here's the thing: you could do that. When Muslims are inviting, and Muslims sometimes have events, right? They they have events on campus, say, come ask about Islam. Um, or they have an open mosque day where people can go and learn about Islam. Again, keep it friendly, keep it civil. But those are areas where they already created an environment for you to go have a conversation about Islam. So that's already a green light. There's obviously a green light. But just wait for that green light. That's very important for you to get that green light. Don't make someone's hijab um, an excuse to talk to them about Islam. That is that is not welcome. Yes. That is you making an environment and not friendly that, to people. That's a very good point because I, like, I mean, we, I run into hijabi. I see a hijabi woman every second day or something wherever you go. But, like, not never do I think about that I should say anything or I should stare at her or make her feel uneasy. It's just the same as if someone is wearing... Uh, a short skirt or, or a mini dress in a place where you you might not expect it. You, it it doesn't give you a reason to stare at that person. It doesn't give you a reason to make that person feel uncomfortable or even approach that person with the topic. 
How would you feel if you're wearing a baseball cap um, back to front and all of a sudden someone walks up to you and says, hey, you know, this is a very ugly tradition introduced by the Yanks. <laughs> you, you wouldn't appreciate that. So no, it's got nothing to do with that. Okay, just a correction. Actually, not a correction, but an update on my previous um, uh, segment that we were talking about. They're actually, now it is, they're, they're, I was getting conflicting reports whether there were two incidents or one is So there were two incidents, one in London, one in Birmingham. And now the, now the, now the, now the police are investigating and, and looking at the same suspect for uh, responsible for both uh, incidents. So the, this actually happened. The Guardian one that I showed you, um, that guy, uh, hang on, where is it? Let me show you this. Uh, where is this? This one was in, uh, was in London. This was in London. Sorry, where is it? Yeah, okay. This was in London, outside London Mosque. I mean, it's just, where is it? Okay, let me mute it. Okay, so this one was in London. As you can see, it's the same guy. And this is the same guy who's been arrested. And there was another incident now, the one, the video that I played to you, that one was in Birmingham. And now the cops are looking at the video that we showed. So it's the same guy. Um, he is most likely the same person because he's been filmed with the same puffer jacket in London and on the, and on the camera here when he's been caught. So uh, this is terrible. The, the, you can see the charred part of the footpath. Okay, so he's right. done it twice, two people. Oh, crap. Um, Cobra was mentioning it's a waste of time talking to Muslims about religion. I cannot disagree with you more. This is completely yeah. wrong. We have uh, already changed the minds of so many people. In fact, now, most atheists themselves are at some point religious. I mean, I was religious at some point. I was, so, a, I was a Muslim. Yeah, so that is so wrong. Like, I don't know. This is actually shows that um, just because you're atheist, that doesn't mean you're rational. Because that is a completely insane thing to say. People change their opinions all the time. And we have seen people, like, from one generation to another generation, people are becoming less and less re religious. And that's because people talk to them, because they're impacted by their other people's opinions and ideas. So this is, this is, this is so wrong. Um, yeah. I, I, you gotta, hey. Okay, go on. I have Next a very interesting point. comment. The, okay. Yeah, I have it. Before I get to the last patron question, there was a guy that was spamming us, and this is oh, really yeah. funny. I, I, I love these guys. Kind of you know, if you if you keep this person posted this like ten or twenty times, right? If you keep it uh, at one time, yes. you could yeah, you could you get to stay on the channel, so you don't get blocked. So you get to keep telling us what we are afraid of and why are we cowards and why are we stupid if you just like post multiple different questions instead of like posting the same one 10 times. So we get to see more of your comments against us if you just don't spam them. Okay. Uh, so the comment is, Armin and Harris have nightmares about Islam growing rapidly. You cannot stop Islam. Allah will send his punishment upon you guys. Here's an interesting thing. If we're actually if we're actually selfish, we would actually benefit from Islam growing, me and Harris. Right? So this is I don't know why you think we're afraid of Islam growing, but if we are being if we were sadistic people that we just wanted to we it would be great if Islam was taking over the world and there was radical Islam everywhere. 
and more demand so, from people like us. Yeah, so this is it's actually industry. against our it's actually against our interest for us to be for Islam to become less and less relevant. But um, thankfully, me and Harris are not sadistic people. So if our if anti-Islam right now, you can see Islam becoming more and more. Um, liberalized in Western countries, so it's not it as is. much of a yeah. It's not as much as it's losing its teeth. Um, it's become so it's not as big of a threat as it used to be. So less people are concerned with Islam than before, and that's a good thing. That's a good very important, so very happy. interesting point you very interesting point you made. I want to actually ask you this: Is it our complacency, or it is something that we are seeing? Because a lot of what we see on social media is, is, is a somewhat reflection of your society at large. And when I see <laughs> these traditional, radical-looking Muslims with beards and, you know, like with, with their trousers above their ankles and all of that, and they are spending more and more of their time on social media, arguing with you, telling you, hey, you know, like, oh, wife beating didn't mean this, yeah, yeah, so what, what's wrong with that, bruv? Yeah, come at me, bruv. I'm like, a part of me actually laughs at that. I'm like, okay, at least you're just, you know, it's okay. At least you're just arguing with us on social media and you're just following Andrew Tate and you're doing, you're, you're like, yeah, bro, hijab, yeah, yeah, you tell him, bro, hijab, and you're Daniel Kikachi. I'm like, that's better than... You know, like them just going Allah Akbar, boom. <laughs> so, I, I, is it just a complacency, or I reckon the whole, at least in the West, this whole Muslim diaspora, I think they have softened down a little bit because I think these, at least people on Twitter and all these social media, they know who 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 ex-Muslims are or who, who these Rasmun Paludin guy who burns the Quran and uh, get wilders. I'm not, not saying that we are all the same, but I'm just saying that they are familiar. They, they understand there is a range of people who 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 go full-on, you know, attack mode on Islam. And then there are other people like ex-Muslim and then there's milder ex-Muslim and so forth. So... Um, I reckon they're getting desensitized. What What do you think? Or maybe it's just a complacency. Um, I think that Muslims, when their lives are going well, they end up caring about the dunya more than the akhirat because it's just human nature. They care about this world more than the next world. So they're, they're more on average, not everybody, right? So what you need... For radicalize, if you if you associate radicalization with people who care about the next world more than this one, the akhirat more than dunya, radicalization happens a lot when this dunya, this world sucks, right? When people are mean to you, when you're poor, when there's war, right? Um, and that will make you care, look forward to the next life, and rather than this one, and to make that life better, you do have to do things that are radical. Right. But when this when you are feeling that, you know, you're part of this community, people are nice to you, your income is better, there's peace, there's security. You want to maintain that. You want to keep that. And even if you're a Muslim and you claim that the next world is more, more, more important to you than this world, your actions speak differently than you, what you actually say. Right. You, the more, more time you're going to put in building this world and your life in this. And in that sense. Um, you become your lives become more like atheists, closer to atheists, right? 
And I think that's that's one of the main impacts. And that's why I think like when it comes to making people focus more on secular things rather than religious things, it's not just the idea of us spreading secular ideas. It's also about you know, providing safety, security, a sense of belonging, kindness to people, but also uh, one one of the main main factors is economic development, right? The, without uh, with less war and poverty, people you can see like in Europe the Renaissance happened. Uh, the Renaissance, which eventually led to the Age of Enlightenment, happened because Europe became rich, right? So if you want to see a repetition of that, you need financial development. Also in in the Middle East and North Africa, when when something that they called the Golden Age of Islam or it's better what I call the golden age of Arabs and Persians instead, because that's what it should be called. Um, it happened because the empire was getting rich and it was moving away from religion uh, closer to worldly things, you know, science, philosophy, uh, politics, arts, and stuff like that. Um, and that's why the, it, it was, you know, uh, even though it had a religious base, it was becoming less... Um, concerned with otherworldly affairs and more concerned with this life. And so so it's all of it is important. Safety, stability, economic development, activism, they all work with each other. And that's why the world is moving that in that direction. And that's why people are becoming less and less religious. And when I say less religious, it's not just people who leave religion. It's also people who remain believers, but le- live less religious lives. Mm, good point. The last, last line was the killer. Okay, um, a couple of more news reports, and then we'll just wrap it up. Um, been talking about this for quite some time, especially on my Urdu channel, that this radical Hindu movement or this Hinduization or Talibanization, Hindu version, or Pakistanization of India is not a good news for anyone. I've heard all kinds of excuses from people in India who first say, well, let us just tame these Muslims first and then we'll fix it later oh every action has an equal and opposite reaction so muslims have done this to us for thousands of years therefore now we just you know have to do this bigotry can never be defended and you can never justify any bigotry on the based on what happened hundreds of the or or thousands of years ago you 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 can never justify it each century brings its own flavor its own set of values and you just have to deal with it. So this revivalist movement in India, we've seen occasional. And when I when I talk about this to the to the majority of non-Indian Westerners, they would have, they would think that oh yeah, India is a rich, culturally rich country. They have colors, Bollywood, um, beautiful food, beautiful people, all of that. A lot of poverty too. That's a stereotype as well. But other than that, they'll be like, yeah, it's good, okay? I, want, I, I wouldn't mind going there. I, I wouldn't mind taking a photo in front of a Taj Mahal or something. That's the general picture. But India is changing very rapidly. And there's a huge liberal tradition in India. Um, there, there, are lot, there are lots of liberal-minded, secular-minded, democratic Indians. But there's a significantly, rapidly growing Hindutva movement. Now, I've been told that Hindutva, I, I'm careful not to use that word, so I, I would say radical Hindu movement. They demand 
um, Hindu Rashtra, meaning Hindu Republic of India. They want to turn that into that. And in the process, they are radicalizing the youth. Just like everywhere else, they're saying to the world and to their own youth, first of all, obviously starting at home, that you need to be proud of yourself. You need to be proud of your ancient culture. Our ancestors invented this, 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 and the Westerners, they blame everyone, everything to the West or to, they, they blame the Muslims or the, or, or the West for everything that everything bad that happened in India. Okay, yes, things are complicated, yes. There was an Islamic invasion. A lot of Hindus were killed. Yes, there was colonial. India was colonized. A lot of bad shit did happen in India. But this is the 21st century. Modern India is supposed to be a secular democratic India where all citizens in the eyes of the law are equal. But under Prime Minister Modi, I'm sorry, I have to say this, it's changing very rapidly. A US report now has listed significant human rights abuses in India. The support just came out a couple of days ago. Now, the annual um, report, U.S. report on human rights practices released on Monday listed significant human rights abuses and abuses in India, including reported targeting of religious minorities, dissidents and journalists, the U.S. State Department said. Now, the findings come nearly a year after Secretary of State Anthony, Anthony Blinken said the U.S. was monitoring what he described as a rise in human rights abuses in India by some government, police, and prison officials in a rare direct rebuke by Washington of the Asian Asian nation's rights record. Now, this is very rare. The United States does not really call out India as explicitly as Anthony Blinken did a year ago and out this report. I know when that when Anthony Blinken said that a year ago, there was hoo-ha in India. It's like, oh, you Americans, what did you, what did you do in Iraq? Blah, blah, blah. Typical Indian trolley reaction. I get it. But I've always been saying that. The way India has been respected in the world, India has been respected for its secular constitution, its, its pluralistic nature, its colorful nature, Bollywood, and its culture, basically. Holy, Diwali, all of that. The soft side of India is beautiful. And the whole world has respected that. But that's not happening anymore. This is changing rapidly. This is what we call the Talibanization of India. It's happening very rapidly. What do you think the world sees when we see that some stone pelters are, are rounded up by the police officials? They do not follow any due process of law. They go to their houses that are built, quote unquote, illegally. They just demolish them. No court orders, no nothing. A 15-year-old kid pelted stones, you go there and you demolish the whole house, make his whole, render his whole family homeless. Majority of those cases have happened against Muslim houses. Um, we've seen cases, and now, sorry, my point was that the United States does not usually call out India like that because India is a secular democracy. United States want to support India because United States want to support India when it comes to a conflict with China. China is not a democracy. China is not a secular free world country. India is. But this becomes more and more difficult for the West to respect India, even though, let me add you, India is a very proud country. They don't even want to go in the Western camp. There's so many issues. That's why India did not support the West uh, you know, in, 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 in this Russian conflict with Ukraine. Um, India always wants to stand alone and and, and and proudfully, given that India is a big country. But the United States wants India on its side, but this kind of thing is not looking good. So what do I mean by that? This radicalization 
of India. Have a look at this. We've seen videos of Hindu, we've seen videos of Muslims harassing anything that is Western in nature. You know, like, oh, you want to wear jeans? Oh, haram. You want to, you know, whatever, whatever that is, anything Western Muslims say, whoa, haram. You'd think that all Indians wouldn't be like that. Bollywood, I've seen girls wearing, you know, girls driving cars and wearing modern clothes. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is what happens when radicalization hits your home. We've seen Hindus, radical Hindus harassing couples from celebrating Valentine's Day. They even came up with an idea as cow hug day. Let's hug a cow instead of celebrating Valentine's Day because it's, it's not Indian. It's not even anti-Indian. It's just not Indian. So why should we celebrate it? We have our own rich 5,000-year-old culture. So why should we not be proud of our own culture? Our ancestors, after all, invented the internet and the MRI machine and the first head transplant surgery. Why should we? So here's a video where, where a mob... Sorry, here's this video where, where, where a mob is harassing some young people outside nightclubs and saying, you know, you cannot be... These guys should be going to a nightclub themselves. Just have fun, drink, enjoy, party, or, or stay at home if you don't like it. But these guys, last week I, I played a video, maybe not on my English show, but another show, where these people were burning, uh, harassing missionaries uh, or just preaching Christianity, the message of Jesus, whatever. We don't believe in Jesus, but still. That is the radicalization of India. And soon, you will start seeing these people. If you're sitting in front of a Chinese restaurant or an Italian restaurant, these people would say, don't go there. This is anti-Indian. It's got nothing to do with India. Why, why can't you eat Indian food? Why can't you eat a biryani or a gulab jamun? What, actually, biryani is actually that's Mughal as well. There's some uh, Mughal blood in that too. Um, so this is not. This is why I hate overly glamorized cultures and traditions because I think it creates this hubris. I think it creates this false sense of pride in people that gives them this sense of superiority complex that we are better than the rest. And we, you know... <clears throat> Screw everyone else. This is us. And that's just the ugly side of it. Uh, and you're going to see a lot more of that. Yes, India is huge. I always say this India is huge. These are just few people. Yeah, what am I saying? The idiots. Yes. But the first thing you guys should be doing instead of cursing me is saying, yes, these people are terrible. And when we will make sure that this number remains a small number. That's what people should be saying. People, I'm not, you know, being a, what's the word when you, overly alarm someone, fear-mongering. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being a fear-monger here. I'm, I'm, I'm simply pointing out these things that, that can happen and blow out of proportion. I still have a feeling it will happen. And that shouldn't happen. That's not a good look for India. I saw there's a police with them. There yeah, yeah, the police to... obviously came, yeah, because, yeah, the, the bar had called the police as well. They're like, what's going on? So these guys were saying, we're protesting. We're, post we're protesting you shouldn't be... Young people shouldn't be going to nightclubs. This is anti-Indian. Would they get any? Would there be any get into any legal trouble? Or no, I don't think so. No, no. Wait, because I saw the cop was escorting them inside. 
Or was he just moving them away? Or like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what you're saying. That, so, the cop I think there just... should be easier for people to sue these people or for harass or charge them with harassment. When no case is registered as no one filed a complaint, the police have said that. So, yeah. So, so they called the police. Police did come, but no one... Um, no one filed a complaint. Yeah, well, there needs to be a bigger resistance. Like, I think you, you've given them too much power in India. Like, people are intimidated. There needs to be a back... Uh, I think these people are, are cowards. As soon as they, there's a reaction, they will realize that this is not just a risk-free thing for them to do. Because right now, there's no consequences to what they're doing. There's so always a little bit of a balance, Armin. There's always a little bit of a balance because people are still worried because these guys sometimes aren't affiliated with certain organizations. Like Bajrandal, like RSS, or uh, where, where people where people are intimidated. Now, as a businessman, you don't want this problem. You they they would have said, "Oh, look, sir, please let it go, let it go, sir." You know, like, "Oh, these are young people. You know, we're doing business. It's okay, sir. Okay, we'll give you some money." You know, like who knows? They just want to go, you know, give the hush, give them hush money or just something like just just. Nobody wants trouble. Businessmen don't want trouble. Well, if you just let them do this, then you're going to get more trouble. There needs to be a reaction. Yeah, well, I guess it needs a bigger reaction, but who, yeah, why, why, what can you do, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, then, a, it's a non-violent protest. It's a harassment of a business and its customers. Yeah. Okay, that's so. A, that's not the reaction I talk about. Yeah. No, this is not a protest. A protest means that you go into the street and you have a request for politicians or the way the, if you go harass a business, that's not even a protest. That this is, um, you should. It's harassment, and also you're liable for the loss of their income. Business. So this is business. So this is both criminal and a civil law issue. So they should be able to sue you and sue you out of your money. They're like, it's a violent protest. You don't understand the meaning, John. You don't understand the meaning of protest. That's not a protest. That's harassment of a business. Um, I do have a last picture question, and then Divya is here. Hopefully her internet is good yeah. today. Um, Armin. Would you be planning to a talk at any universities in BC? How can you be invited? Well, the last time I was um, you know, invited into a university in BC to talk, uh, first of all, uh, in Canada, the last time it was canceled because I was considered uh, too problematic. So that was canceled. Um, but the, the speech I gave in the uni um, University of British Columbia had the police involved because there was a bomb threat. Um, and... And I had to have the police and to come to my house and document everything. And that was a major mess. So I'm not, I don't know if I should be giving speeches in universities. I'm more interested in giving speeches at online platforms. Like if you know a podcaster with a good audience, decent audience, if they want to host me or Harris, I would be more interested in that. But Harris, are you interested in speaking at universities? Uh, I would be, I would be traveling again soon. I'll be going to actually. There, there was one conference that was coming up in May in Canada, but I think I'm. Yeah, I will actually need to send them an email that I might. I, I won't be able to make it because because um, yeah, I have to go to Europe first, uh, and then maybe I, I don't know. I haven't planned anything yet. Yeah, maybe I'll be I'll be in Europe and Canada. Maybe maybe Canada in June July. Okay. Maybe. All right. Are you are you are you trying? Take care. Yeah, are you, are you going somewhere too? Well, I don't talk to... I'll go, I'll go if you go. I'll go if you go. 
Let's talk. Of, we could talk. Let's talk to Divya first. Hey. Oh, Divya. Okay. Hello, Divya. Divya. Hi. We have a regular. Hello. Now. Hi. Hey. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm fine. What so, would you like to say? Uh, nice color, Harris. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, we're matching. You're nice color. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's it's suiting you today. <laughs> the color. Oh, so, so, so the other colors don't suit me then. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. No. It's Especially today, it's waiting you. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's the World Atheist Day, so green color atheist. Yeah. Okay, what's your question? Yeah, actually, no, I just want, today I wanted to talk about Ambedkar. So have you guys read about Ambedkar's views on communism? I haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't read much on him. Have you read um, in much uh, his views on communism? No. Communism. His critic of communism. No, I haven't. No, I, I haven't think he was, I think was right critical now. of communism. Yes. What would you like to say so, about that? Uh, oh, yeah. So, what guys? Uh, what do you think uh, is communism compatible with secularism? I mean, a state can be both a secular and a communist at the same time. Yeah, I mean, she can be. Yeah, because communist communism is more. I mean, they're they're talking about completely different things. So, uh, secularism is more about the influence of religion and politics. Communism is more of an about economic policy and how you do the economics. So, these they're, they're not they're not within the same realm. So they they're they're answers to different questions. But they're both. Right? So you can. But but both secularism and communism have nothing to do with religion. So so I mean, you you could say that by default, the end result of communism is also lack of religion. No, 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 not necessarily. Yeah. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Because this is a bit people's misunderstanding about secularism, right? If you have a communist regime that is enforcing anti-religion, then it's a non-secular, right? So, for example, so a communist regime could be secular or non-secular, right? You could have a communist regime that is just not touching religion, right? And that would be a secular communist country. You could have a communist country that is going out and, I don't know, destroying churches and mosques um, and telling people that they can't practice religion. That would be a non-secular communist country because it's being involved in religious affairs. It's enforcing non-religion. So that's non-secular. Yeah, there's a harder version of that too. No, that's fine. So, so, But both of them have no religion at all. Like, I mean, do you, you cannot... No. I, I've i always wondered that in order to be able to apply a communist or nationalization of, uh, you know, the industry, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with religion. It's a purely economic question being answered economically. But why were the communists so anti-theist, though? Like, I mean, is it just because Marx and Engels, they they were atheists or something? Mm. I could imagine because we saw a little snippet of that in Pakistan, for example. For example, there were Pakistani communists as well back in the 50s and 60s. And they never really went after Islam per se, but they wanted a red revolution in Pakistan. And I always wondered that maybe they could have had, let's just say they had some communist revolution in Pakistan. And they might not have gone after Islam. They would have said, okay, well, keep Islam going on the side as well. But they would have been as hardcore as some of these other communists. 
What do you think about that? Like, I mean, was it just an accident? You don't necessarily yeah. need to be an atheist for those economic policies. That's what my point is. Well, because Marxist, the, the communist perspective on politics and economics and everything else is a completely materialistic one, right? So it, it has some axiom, it has some base philosophy that considers every the whole world to be completely material for it. So everything supernatural does not exist. It's again, it doesn't believe in religion, it doesn't believe in God, it doesn't believe in all anything other, everything else that is supernatural. It has a completely materialistic uh, foundation in its in all its philosophy and everything else that it builds on it. Right. So it's it's by necessity and it's necessarily um um. um lack of religion and lack of God is within its foundations, right? However, again, this is a different question from secularism. Again, uh, you could you could see why somebody would have an anti-religion approach from a communist um, philosophy, but secularism is not about whether you're anti-religion or you're for religion or if you don't have a view on it. Secularism is specifically about politics you know the government, um, how their involvement within um, on, on religion, and there's different kinds of secularism that we have. Some secularist notion is that you are completely uninvolved, or another secular philosophy is that everybody is involved with politics as long as you keep it equal. You're being secular, right? So you have the India model or the France model, for example, right? However, but but. Being anti, a, a top-down anti-religious approach from the government is, by definition, not secular, right? So you could have a communist regime like China or the Soviet Union, like China earlier especially, that is definitely not secular. If you are taking actions against religious people, that is definitely not secular, right? Or you could potentially have a communist regime that has communist policies, like communist economic, economics, but is hands off of people's religious lives, and that would be a secular communist regime. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So now, uh, what do you think of Nehruvian secularism? And, um, uh, do, yeah, Nehru, uh, do you know about uh, Nehru's views on communism? Yeah, Nehru was... N Nehru was a bit of a socialist, as much as I know. Um, he was and... socialist, then he was on the words of becoming a hardcore communist. Yeah, and uh, it, yeah, it was, and and this is probably one of the reasons why Pakistan came into existence, because the popular theory that people like Dr. Shah Ahmed have proposed and makes a lot of sense that. The West at that time, they were very concerned about uh, the rise of the Reds, especially after the Second World War. But even before that, uh, because the, revolu the Russian Revolution, had Soviet Revolution had taken place by 1917. Um, and the British did not want um, the, the Soviets to expand. Now, within Soviets, within Bolsheviks, there were two groups, the Trotskyites and the Stalinists, but later on, the, so Trotsky was in favor of um, expanding or exporting communism to the rest of the world. Stalin was a little bit more mellowed down. He wasn't interested in spreading it, not, or at least not to the same pace as, as Trotsky. So that created a fear amongst 
the British and the Western, uh, the, the West mainly, um, mainly Churchill, because Churchill had very strong views on communists. Um, Churchill obviously came later as well, but he, he was a politician. So British in general. So the British did not want the Russians or the Soviets to come, come down. And they knew that the United States and the age of colonialism was coming to an end. They did not want. And Nehru and Gandhiji, this is all happening in the early 20th century. They're all showing signs, so, you know, like this inclination towards Soviet Russia, communism, socialism, and the West hates them. And again, this is Professor Ishtiakam's theory, and I think it makes a lot of sense. He says, Pakistan was created as a buffer state for the West. So if the United India went to the Soviet Union, then it would be a much worse news for the West. It would have been a huge communist country in the East, in, in, in the subcontinent. So, um, so I think if, if Nehru and Gandhi, Nehru mainly, or the Indian political elite of the Congress party, if they weren't so soft or so easy towards communism or socialism, Pakistan might not even have come into existence. All right, guys, we're we're Thank hitting you. the two-hour mark. Yes, yes. that was. We wrap this up. Thank you very much, Divya. I'm going to look into Ahmed Kar's views on communism because I have no idea that he, he even had writings about communism. But now I'm actually very curious. So thank you, Divya, for bringing it to my attention because I'm now going to go look that up. So thank you for thank that. You. Thank I you, Divya. Uh, I, will, uh, uh, I will do one thing. I will email you both Nehru, uh, Nehru and uh, Ambedkar's views on communism. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so, great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I like to okay. learn more about Ambedkar. I, I'm actually more interested in Ambedkar than Nehru. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well. Yeah. No. No. They're, they're both giants of Indian history. I think. I think uh, that that that's something so like uh, this. Is what Indians don't get it. Like these modern radical Tundis. I have no respect for Tundis, but but India is such a complex country that Baba Ambedkar's and Nehru, these guys had very different views, you know, and, you know, but they still work together. Uh, it, it, it's quite amazing about, I mean, Indian histories, forget about the past history, the glorious history, our ancestors, blah, blah, blah. But even the modern India's history is very interesting. And it, it shows you, like India, I would say, was really, really ahead of its time. Yes, the colonialism, colonialism um. killed us. But in the, in now it really was like, which other country do you look at in the early 20th century? They had such strong democratic or yearning for de democracy. Which other country? Like the, these countries were like marred with monarchy. And like, I mean, the West was, yes, they became uh, democracies. Even they became democracies in the 20th century. You know, Germany and freaking Kaiser and uh, Russian czars and all of these guys. So India had the yearning for democracy even in the early part of the 20th century. Um, and, and look what a strong democracy it became. In, you got to understand, in 1947, half the world was divided into communism. Half the world was going towards communism, authoritarianism. The other half was going towards democracies. Uh, democracy right. was still a new idea. Yes, American democracy had been there for a while. But overall, it was still a relatively new idea. But look at this. What a strong democracy India turned out to be. Let's hope it stays yeah. that way. Okay, I just want to quickly talk about we this. We should go. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I, 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 I have to do this because I needed to. I know you're always hungry. Just give me a second. I, um, I made a tweet 
uh, a while ago, and about a week ago, where I made a mistake. So I need to highlight that just for the record purposes. So Dr. Craig Considine, he is always talking. He, he, used, to be, he used to get a lot of engagement. And uh, that's because, you know, like a white person uh, validating or glorifying Islam, Muslims love it. And it's the same with, with Hindus as well. When a white person admires something, they love it. So he used to get a lot of engagement. But then people found out that he only, you know, like he, he actually uh, admires Ahmadi Islam a lot. So, so I say like always, whenever a white person praises Islam, Muslims start worshipping. And this is precisely what happened with Dr. Craig Considine until they realized that he was praising Ahmadi Islam a misconception regarding Amity Muslims, blah, blah, blah. I say, in case you're wondering why Dr. Craig Considine praises Amity Islam, well, the, the answer is what typically happens. He's married to an Amity Muslim woman. Now, I was told about this, and I a long time ago I was told about this, and I was never corrected or, you know, so anyway, I ran with that. So, Dr. Craig tweeted, he said, a YouTube personality re recently tweeted that I only support the Ahmadiyya Muslim community because I'm married to an Ahmadiyya woman. This is a lie. Here is my actual wife, Miriam Santa Maria. We are both Catholic, Catholics. Uh, also, I support Ahmadiyya because of its value system. Know your facts. So I did say, look, I'm sorry to both of you, Dr. Craig and your wife. I'm just putting it out there on, uh, you know, as a part of record. Um, that I believe you're talking about me and thank you for correcting me. I stand corrected and unconditionally apologize to both of you and Miriam and Dr. Craig himself. Uh, but you're still wrong about Islam and every other religion. And and you know how wrong he is about Islam, how he tries to whitewash Islam. Again, the apology part is done. That is unconditional. There's nothing on that, but I'm just bringing attention to what uh, kind of stuff Dr. Craig brings. He says, Armin, when you want to talk about when 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 people when people try to whitewash or show a beautiful rosy version of the character of Prophet Muhammad, what story is the first story that comes to your mind that is absolutely false? The garbage that they threw on the ah, Exactly. So basically, everyone knows that story is BS. Yeah, but our Dr. Craig. <laughs> brings up the same story because he wants to suck up to Muslims and this is what he said he says how did Prophet Muhammad react to insults consider his response to a woman who threw garbage at him every day as he walked by her home one day he passed her but there was no garbage thrown on him he learned she was sick in bed he then visited her and offered help compassion at its best. <laughs> so, so that, so basically, you know, again, the apology stands, but I just wanted to say that this is how silly, you know, Dr. Craig is when it comes to Islam. But who cares about the truth? Who cares about the facts? He himself said that, know your facts, but he himself doesn't want to know facts. But, um, but yeah, that's how, I guess this is how it works. And we're going to stay there to counter these people. Okay, that was yeah. That's a weak hadith, basically. So, no, it's not even a weak hadith. It's a totally fabricated hadith. Not even fabricated. It's an invented hadith. It was in only invented like two or three hundred years ago. There's no record of that story. Yes, like some tertiary 
some tertiary not some tertiary scholar mentioned that in his book this incident it is totally outside the realm of the traditional science right. of hadith you know like oh that so and so chain said no it's not even zayf it's not shows how very little compassion muhammad had that they had to go invent something like that <laughs> yeah okay yeah. Now, now that you type the the actual person Uqba, who did throw um uh intestines of animals on muhammad uh when muhammad mm -hmm. got him in the battle of badr he he had him <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, guys. This was thank you uh, very much, guys. This was a guys. Please make sure you like the video. I'm gonna go eat. I don't know why I get hungry every time after a stream, but yeah, I have a big appetite. But guys, don't forget Atheist Day on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere. Tomorrow, March 23rd, is Atheist Day. Use the hashtag. Use it so that we normalize atheism. Please don't forget that. Thank you so much. Yes. Anyways, see you guys next week. Bye. Mwah. Papi. <laughs>